So we're up to Daf Lamed Hamed Aleph, three lines into the page. The Gemara is going to continue talking about the Miraglim. So the Pesach says, that the Miraglim started off by saying that they went to Eretz Yisrael and it was a land flowing with milk and honey. So they started complimenting Eretz Yisrael, but then they said, that the nation is very strong there. So the question is, why would they, if they're interested in bashing Eretz Yisrael, why would they start off by complimenting? People know the Miragma were very clever, and they knew that if they would just start bashing it, then they would know that they're lying, that there's no positive element of it. So they had to say a truth so that people believe them, and then they went with the lies. But if they just started lying from beginning to end, they knew that no one would be believing them. Therefore, they started by saying the milk and honey, because they wanted to compliment, they wanted to say some element of truth, so that Kalagisa would know that they weren't completely lying, and then they lied. Now, the Pasuk says that as the Miraglim were, were bashing Eretz Yisrael, Kalev spoke up, Yas Kalev Moshe. Kalev quieted the people towards Moshe. Now, Kalev got them to be quiet, but Vayas, which means quiet, that he like convinced them with words regarding Moshe. What did Kalev do? So the Gemara says, Pasach Yeshua de Kamishtoi. Yeshua began to outright argue with the Miraglim. Now, the problem was, Amrilei, the Jewish people said, Din Reish Katim this guy who doesn't have children is going to talk to us. Meaning, Yeshua just started outright opposing the Miraglim, and people started yelling at Yeshua, not taking his side. So Kalev realized, Amrilei, so I'm sorry, so Amr, Kalev said to himself, Imishtoi, if if I just argue with the Miraglim like, like Yeshua, Amri Bimil they'll also silence me. Meaning, he didn't want to do the same tactic, so what did he do? So Amr Lehen, so what Yekalev did, I'll say it outside, I'll say it inside, Kalev tried to convince them that he was on their side. So he started to say something that seemed like it was bashing Moshe, so everyone quieted, and then he turned it. So Amr Lehen, he said, He said, was this the only thing that Ben Amram, calling Moshe, which is like a, like a not derogatory, but you think this is the only thing Ben Amram ever did? So everyone thinks that he's referring to, meaning they're, they're, the Miragam is saying that, Moshe Rabbeinu was taking them to a trap, and it's terrible. So Kalev says, this isn't the only thing Ben Amram's done. So everyone thinks that he's 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 going to bash Moshe. So everyone thinks that he's beginning to bash Moshe. So they all get quiet. They all get quiet because they want to hear it. So Amr Lehuba, then what did he say? He said, you know what Moshe Rabbeinu did? He took us out from Mitzrayim. He took us out from He gave us man. If he told us to get ladders and go to heaven, would we not listen? We would even go up to heaven. So that was his way of trying to convince him that he was on that he was on their side, but then he turned it on them. So then the Miraglim responded, The Miraglim said, we cannot ascend to fight them. We're not stronger. The truth is, the Miraglim said a lot of kfira at that time. They said heresy. When the Pesach says, which means simply that the people of Canaan are stronger than us, they actually meant that he's stronger than him, God forbid, that they were saying that the Canaanim are stronger than Hashem. God forbid. It's like even God who created the world can't get rid of them. That's what they were saying. They said that Eretz Yisrael is a place that devours its people. What was this referring to? So I'll tell it outside, so you didn't say it's a very famous medrash, that 
Hashem made it that wherever they went, there were funerals. Now, the reason why there were funerals is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted the Maraglim to go unnoticed. And when there are funerals, people are preoccupied with the funerals. So, the, but they, instead of appreciating what Hashem did, said, "Oh, you see, it's a people you can't you can't survive in Israel. It's dangerous in Eretz Yisrael." They said that it's not a safe place in Eretz Yisrael. So they they, although it was something that was conceptually positive from Hashem's perspective, but what they did was they made it negative, and they and they they misunderstood what Hakadosh Baruch Hu was saying. So Eretz Yechelas Yeshvehi on Daf Lamed Hey Aleph. About a third of the way down, so Eretz Yechelas Yeshvehi, that they said that Eretz Yisrael is a land that devours its people. That's what the Miraglim said. What do they mean? Darish Rava, Rava Darish, and Amra Kadesh Baruch Hu, Hashem said, Ani Chashavti Latayva. I was trying to give them a positive thing. What did Hashem do? Hey, Machashulara, but they turned it against me. Ani Chashavti Latayva. Hashem said, I I planned for good. What did I do? The Chleicha Demati, wherever the Miraglim went. Wherever the Meraglim went to every city, a dignitary from that city died. The reason why Hashem did this was because He knew that if the entire city was dealing with the funeral, no one's going to notice a couple guys. So Hashem had people die left and right in order to prevent the Meraglim from being found out. And some say, and some say that it wasn't uh, multiple people that died, but rather it was Eov. According to this opinion, it's very interesting. It's a shaila throughout the Gemara. What was Eov's deal? Like, what was his? Where did he live? When did he live? According to this opinion, Eov was a non-Jew who lived in Israel. So Eov died. Vitridu kuliyam espeda. Instead of many dignitaries died, Eov died, and the entire Canaan, entire Eretz Yisrael, was dealing with his funeral. So Hashem said, I killed off either Eov or all these dignitaries in order to allow them to sneak in. But they interpreted it negatively by saying that Eretz Yisrael you know, devours its people, that you can't survive there. Then the Meraglim said, we saw the giants. We were in our eyes like grasshoppers, meaning we felt like we were grasshoppers compared to the giants. And so we were grasshoppers in their eyes. Now, the first part of the statement is a little easier to believe. I could say I felt like a grasshopper because I know what I feel like. But then they said, they also felt we were grasshoppers. How do you know what they felt like? So the Gemara says, They lied. I understand how you could say the first part of the statement that we felt like grasshoppers because that's how you felt. But then the second statement that we were in their eyes, they also thought we were like grasshoppers. How do they know that? So it must be a lie. The Gemara responds, no, the truth is it wasn't a lie. The the truth was, the reason why they knew that, that the, the Canaanim looked at them like, like grasshoppers was not like uh, presumption, it wasn't lies, they actually heard them say it. What happened was, again, wherever the Miraglim would go, there were funerals. So when the mourners would eat, they would eat outside by the trees. And when the spies saw them coming, they were afraid. So the spies would climb the trees, so you have the spies in the trees, the Miraglim in the trees, and they have the giants eating under the trees. Shama, and they heard, and they heard the giants say, 
wow, in those trees, there are little people that look like grasshoppers. So they actually heard them describe the Miraglim as grasshoppers. So when they said that we were in their eyes, eyes like grasshoppers, it was an accurate depiction. Now the Pasuk says that after the Miraglim said the bad report of Eretz Yisrael, all of Kla Yisrael cried because of the bad report of Eretz Yisrael. That was the day of Tishabav, or the day before Tishabav. It's a Shailin Megirsa. Yeah, the night. It's the night of Tishabav. That was the night of Tishabav. Amr Akedish Baruch Hu, Akedish Baruch Hu said, "Hein Baruch Hu Bechir Shalchinam." You cried for no reason on this night. Ani Ekvelam Bechir Ladaris. I will give you a reason to cry on this night. This is why Tishabav was always. Uh, a negative day for Klal Yisrael. Rav Kalman Epstein Shlita Meir Shashiva once pointed out, you see from this Gemara that Tishabov, right? people always say, oh, it's a bad day. It didn't start off as a bad day. It started off as a positive day because the truth was it was supposed to be meant positively. It was supposed to be that the Meraglim come back with a good report. But because they had a bad report and Klal Yisrael believed their bad report, it was turned into a negative day. Okay. Now, the Pasuk then says that when Yeshua and Kalev were trying to defend Yisrael. All the Jewish people wanted to throw stones at Yeshua and Kalev. Then the Apostle says, that Hashem's presence appeared by the Mishkan. So what's the connection between them trying to throw stones at Yeshua and Kalev and Hashem's kavod being shown by the Mishkan? So the Gemara says he's supposed to put it together. Crazy. The Gemara says he's supposed to put it together when it says they tried to throw stones at Yeshua and Kalev and Hashem's presence appeared at the Mishkan, it means they tried to throw stones at Hashem. Not only did they throw stones at Yeshua and Kalev, they threw stones in Shema up to the heavens to try to hurt Hashem. Crazy. But now the end of the Miraglim is that they died, the Miraglim died, the ten Miraglim died from a plague. What was the plague? They died in a very, very specific, terrible way that was corresponding to their sin. Well, how did they die? It means that their their tongues extended and went all the way, the way down to their belly button. And maggots would go from their tongue into their stomach and vice versa. That's how they died. I mean, it makes a lot of sense that they would die from the tongue. The tongue is Lashon Hara. Okay. He says, no, they didn't die from that way. They died from Askara. Askara was a type of disease that caused your windpipe to close. And that's how they died. That's Askara is actually the same death of the students of Ravakiva. Um, it's interesting. So now back to our narrative of the Mishkan, uh, of the Aron of splitting of the Jordan. So as I mentioned, was it two days ago, I think? That the Jewish people, the Aruns first, the Aruns steps in the water, the water split, all of Klai Yisrael travels through. But now what happens is, Kivan Achron should be so many yard, and once the last Jew already is now in Israel, now, Kaiman. Now what happens is, the, the Aron takes a step backwards. So now, they step, the Aron steps in first, splits the water. All the Jews pass, 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 pass. Once every Jew is passed, then, then the Aron takes a step back. And now the waters go back to flow. So what essence, what essence, what you have, is all the Jews are in Israel, and the Aron and the Kahanim is outside of Israel. 
The pasuk says that when the when the when the kehanim step back, all the water flowed. So what you have over here is you have all the Jews are in Israel and the Aron they took a step back. So now the Aron and the kehanim are on the other side. So how did the Aron and kehanim get there? They flew. A massive miracle happened. Nasa Aron as Noisav over. The Aron carried the Kehanim and flew over the Yarden. Shinemar, Vikashatom Kola Om Lavar, Vyavar Aron Ashem Kanbufneam. It says the Pasik says that the Aron and the Kehanim passed before them, meaning flew before them. Now, you see over here a crazy miracle took place that the Aron flew and carried the Kehanim who were supposed to carry the Aron. Now, this leads us to a different discussion. Now, let me give you a little bit of a background. During the times of Eli, the Kohen Gadol, who was the Kohen Gadol when Shmuel Hanavi was a baby, was a young kid. During the times of Eli, the Oron was captured by the Plishtim. They kept it for a short period of time, but then they started getting hemorrhoids and they started getting plagues because of the the Oron. They sent it back to Israel. Now, for many years... um, it was in a city called Kiryas Yaorim, um, by the ha- uh, home of a person named Avi Nadav. Okay, fine. Now, when Davra Melech um, basically um, took control of Yerushalayim, he wanted to bring the Aron back to Yerushalayim, and he took the Aron, he put the Aron on a wagon, carried by oxen, and the ox wagon transported the Aron from this Abinadav's house in Kiryas Yarim to Yerushalayim. Now, while this is happening, it was being traveled by... So you have the Aron being on a wagon pushed by oxen. The person who's in charge of the wagon, his name is Uzzah. Uzzah was the son of Abinadav. He's in charge of bringing the Aron back to Yerushalayim. Now, what happens is, at one point in the travels, the oxen either get scared, trip, something happens, and it looks like the Aron's going to fall, and Uzzah grabs the Aron with his hand, which is obviously, uh, listen, I don't blame him, I'm the Gemara's going to say, I understand, I don't blame him, I understand why he did it, but it was a very big sin to touch the Aron with your hands, that was not allowed, and the reason why, and Uzzah died from this, Uzzah ended up dying from this as a punishment, now, the reason why, says the Gemara, Uzzah should have made the following argument. If the Aron carried the Kohanim, I'm pretty sure the Aron's not going to fall down. Again, I like the truth was, it's not really Uzzah's fault, because Uzzah just saw it falling and just grabbed it. The Gemara's going to say in a moment, maybe he did something else inappropriately. But it was more of a taina on David HaMelech. David HaMelech should not have put the Aron on a wagon pushed by oxen. He should have had it carried by people. So says the Gemara, Aldavrez and Nenashuza, this concept of the Aron carrying the Kehanim led to the downfall of Uzzah. Shinamar, as the Pasuk says, Vyavai Adgoirin Kidon. They brought the Aron to the threshing floor of Kidon, Vyishlach Uzzah's Yado, Lechos is Aron. And Uzzah grabbed the Aron because he thought it was falling. Amalekadish Baruch, who Hashem said, Uzzah, Naisav Nasa Atzmai, like Kolshikain, if the Aron is able to carry Kehanim, the more so it could carry people. And Hashem got angry at Uzzah and he killed him. And he was killed there by the Shal. Now, what does it mean? The Shal will have to translate. But why did he die? First opinion says he died because, as we said, 
Shal means shaloi, what he did, which is that he touched the Aron. V'chad Amar, now that's a little funny because it's like, I don't blame the guy, the Aron is falling, he thinks, like, I mean, I guess he should have known that it, it would be fine, but that's the first opinion. The other opinion I think is a little easier to understand, and that is, Sha'asetzracha Befanov, um, he, he went to the bathroom in front of it, meaning when he was traveling and needed the bathroom, he didn't go to the side, he just went to the bathroom in front of the Aron, and that's obviously incredibly disrespectful. So, okay. Now, regardless of how of why he died, he died with the Aron. Why does the Pasuk have to say he died with the Aron, next to the Aron? says the Gemara, It's to say that while Uzzah was killed, he went straight to Eilam Haba, because he's with the Aron, meaning in death he's with the Aron. Now, Hashem was upset with Dovna Melch that because Dovna Melch's decision led to Uzzah's death. Hashem was upset with David that that David HaMelech led to the death of Uzzah. Now, what did David HaMelech do that led to the death of Uzzah? Now, before we get to the cause, it's a it means that David HaMelech's face turned darker like a like a like a biscuit because of um, because because he was so. Yeah, I mean, not, not out of anger. Rashi explains that Dovna Melech was so distressed by the death of Uzzah that his face, like, changed colors. Vayichar means to change colors. Now, the problem is Vayichar usually means angry. We're now saying Vayichar means harara, which means blackened, that Dovna Melech's face changed because of the anguish. But doesn't Vayichar mean angry? And that can't be, because what, Dovna Melech's angry at Hashem? What did, uh, what, uh, no way. Now, every time the Pasuk says Vayichar, it means to be blackened with anguish? I thought it means anger. The answer is no. It's Vayichar af is anger. If it just Vayichar, it means anguish and distress. Vayichar af means anger. Darish Rava, nenash Dovin. What did Dovin HaMelech do that was the Midah Kenegemidah that led to Uzzah's death. Meaning, Dovin HaMelech made a mistake that he didn't put the Aron, that he didn't have the Aron carried by people. He put it on, a wa- on an ox, and Hashem was upset with this. What, what, what led to, but what was the, what was the real taina? What did Dovin HaMelech do wrong? Right? For Hashem to make it, that Dovin makes a mistake, there has to be a reason. What did Dovin HaMelech do wrong that Hashem punished him by him making a mistake to put the Aron by being a, a, a carried by oxen and not by people? The answer is, the Taina was, Dabra Melch called the Torah a song. The Dabra Melch said that these, the Torah is like a song to me. Now you'll say that's beautiful, but the Torah Hashem did not like to call it a song because, first of all, a song, a song is something you listen to, it's something you forget. Torah is not a song, Torah is everything. And Hashem did not like that he called it a song. So he said, you know what? A song is something you forget. I'm going to make you forget a halacha, and therefore you're going to have the Aaron placed on ox, and you're going to forget that it should be carried by people. I'm like Kadesh Baruch Hu, Kadesh Baruch says, Divri Taira Shekasub, and regarding the Taira, that it says, If you close your eyes, it's gone, meaning if you don't constantly review Taira, it's going to be gone. So you're going to compare Taira to a song which you also easily forget. I will cause you to stumble regarding something that even children know. And that is, We know that the Levim carried the Aaron. It's carried by people. It was never put on horse 
back. It was never put on oxen. And you, Dovna Melech, will forget this. You put it in a wagon, and that led to the death of Uzzah. Now, now, the Pusik says that after, go back a little bit. So we had that the Oron was captured by the Plishtim, and then the Plishtim sent it to the Jewish people. It stayed by Avinadav for a long time, and then Avinadav's son Uzzah brought it back with the mistake that led to his death. But the truth is, when the Plishtim gave the Oron to the, to, to the Jewish people, there was a calamity that took place also regarding the Aron, not showing respect to the Aron, that when the Aron went to the city of Beit Shemesh, a lot of people died there. I think it was like 50,000 people and 700, 50,700 people died. Now what was what happened? And the pastor says that the men of Beit Shemesh died because they looked at the Aron. Now what, what does that mean? Because if you look at the Aron, you're going to be killed. So many Jews, so many people from Beit Shemesh died. What, what did they do? So, one opinion says that they were farmers, and when the Aron was being carried past their farms, they didn't stop working. They just, like, uh, you know, gave a quick bow, but they didn't stop working. So they just looked at the Aron, but they didn't stop working, and that was a tain on them, that was a lack of respect. And another opinion says, that no, it was worse than this. Go to the next page. That it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that they 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 didn't stop working. They actually said something disrespectful to the Aaron. They said, "Man amrech damrais, who angered you when you when you were angry? Uman asalach defayis, and who made you happy when you're happy? Meaning, um, meaning when, meaning the Aaron was sent, but was captured by the Plishim, and the Plishim had hemorrhoids and they got sick and the Plishim had to return the Aron so they said to the Aron if you're so powerful then why didn't you get yourself out of prison earlier meaning if you're so powerful and you're able to kill people then then what took so long that's what they said so the point is they, 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 it was a lack of respect to talk that way about the Aron whatever the Taina was um, yeah okay so v'yach ba'om shivim ish v'chamishim shivim ish the Pasuk says that 70 people, not 700, 70 people died and 50,000. So I guess it's 50,070, but it's a weird way to say that. You say 50,070, you don't say 70 and 50,000. So there's a machlokas as to how many people died. One opinion says only 70 died. But each Jew is equal to 50,000 men. So there's really 70 people. But each one was equal to 50,000. Some say, no, it was actually 50,000. And each and every one was equal to 70 members of the Sanhedrin. So these were, these were special people that passed away. Okay. Now, back to the Uzzah's transfer with David. The Pasuk said that David HaMelech wanted to make the mistake, uh, to, to correct the mistake. And therefore, when he carried, brought the Aron to Yerushalayim, he had it carried. And as they were traveling, he would shecht karbonos. He would make up small altars to shecht karbonos as they were traveling. Now, how many karbonos? It says, When the people carrying the Aaron would take six steps, they, the Davon HaMelech slaughtered an ox and a, and, a, and, a, and, a young, and a young calf. So every six steps was another two karbonos. Uksiv, shiva parim shiva And then Apostle says they slaughtered seven bulls and seven rams. So which one was it? Was it seven bulls and seven rams? Or an ox and its child? And a young ox. Not its child, but a young ox. Now, 
So what does this mean? So Amrav Papa Bar Shmuel, I'll call Psio Psio Shaurumare. Every step they slaughtered an ox and a a young child animal. I'll call Shish so each step would bring two carbonos, and then every six steps they would do seven rams and seven bulls. So you're talking about a crazy amount of carbonos. So the Gemara says, Malaysia's How many altars were there? You're talking about every step was another carbon, and then every seven six steps was was fourteen carbonos. It's a sheer, it's a crazy amount. So Chizda says, No, it's less. For every six steps, they would slaughter the ox. And every six steps, six sets of six, meaning every 36 step, they would do seven and seven. So the first opinion is that for every step, they would bring a carbon. Every six steps, they would bring 14. The second opinion is for every six steps, they bring one carbon. And every 36 steps, they bring 14. So it's much less. Now the Pusik says that Uzzah brought the carb- brought the Aron to a threshing floor in Kidon. But in Shmuel, in, you see in Divrei Hayamim, it describes the threshing floor as called Kidon, but in Shmuel it's called Nachon. So which one was it? Was it Kidon or was it Nachon? So Amrav Yochanan, Bitzchila Kidon. Originally the threshing floor, the Aron, the, the Aron um, was called Kidon. They called the Aron Kidon because Kidon implies. Um, a kidon means a spear. So originally, because Uzzah died, they called it kidon, like implying that the threshing floor where he died was like is like a spear. The Aron caused him to die. But after the Aron stayed in that area for a while, and the people in that area who showed respect got a lot of bracha, then they then they changed the name to nachon, which means appropriate, which means respect and proper. Okay, back to the Gemara. We said before that Yoshua in the Yardin told them to take stones. So I mentioned when we did the daf a couple days ago that there were two sets of stones that they had to take. One were the 12 stones that they would set up as a remembrance by the Yardin, and a second was the 12 stones that they took to Hargrizim Har'evol that night and wrote the Torah in 70 languages and then brought to Gilgal. So there were two sets of stones. The truth is there were actually three sets of stones. One set up by Moshe Rabbeinu outside of Eretz Yisrael, and then the two that I mentioned just now. So the Gemara says, There are actually three sets of stones. One was set up on Moshe by Moshe Rabbeinu on the other side of the Yarden by the Moab land, and the other side of the Jordan by the land of Moab, Moab uh, Moshe Rabbeinu set up a Be'er to clarify the Torah. Now what does that mean? So the Gemara says, La'alanu Omer, it says, Kasapta Levanim is called Torah Hazos, Be'er Hetev. It says Be'er by the stones of Yeshua, and it says the word Be'er by Moshe. I see a Be'er Be'er to say just like Yeshua set up a stone monument, so too Moshe Rabbeinu set up a stone monument. So that's the first set of stones, that's by Moshe. And then the two are in Israel. One was set up by Yeshua by the Jordan as a remembrance. And the third was the one that he took to Gilgal that they wrote the Torah on. Those are the three sets. So he said that they took the stones and they wrote the Torah on the stones. The question is, there's two opinions as to how they did it. Either they wrote the Torah on the stones, then covered it with lime, with a plaster, on top of the Torah that was written, or on top of the words that were written on the stone, or 
they put the plaster in first and then wrote on top of the plaster. So How did the Jewish people write the Torah by Hargrizim and Harevo? By Harevo. Rav Yudha Oimer. Al Gabi Avanum Kaswu. Rav Yudha says they wrote it directly on the stones. Shinema Kasavdal Avanum is called Divrei Hatora, Hazos Berhetev. Biachach Saduos Bizid. And then they covered it with plaster as a respect that the Torah should not be revealed, which might be funny because the whole purpose of writing it on the stones is for people to read. So I guess the Gemara is going to explain they, the people had to pull up the plaster if they wanted to read it. That's the first opinion. So they wrote it directly on the stones and then coated it with plaster. Amalari of Shimon, Shimon says, according to you, what's the purpose? Why would you cover it if you want it to be read? So Amalari, so Rav Yehuda responded, Hashem allowed the, the nations to be wise. That they sent their sofrim, they peeled back the plaster and carried away a copy of the inscription. Okay. Fine. And if Yehuda continues, the Yehuda says that although every nation went to the stones and made copies, they pulled up the plaster and took the copies or made copies. Now, says Rav Yehuda, this was their downfall. Why? They should have learned the Torah and they didn't. Okay. I guess they could have been converts. Now that's the first opinion. Rav Shimon, I no, Agabe Sid Kasfur. Rav Shimon said no, they wrote it directly on the plaster. Fine. Now, Vikasfil and Lamata, and they wrote for the nations below, under the Torah, they wrote the Torah, and then under the Torah, they wrote the following line. So you learn not to follow the ways of the Goyim and to do their idolatry. You see from this, that had the nations of that time do tshuva, they would have been accepted. Meaning, um, although they're from the 70 nation, seven nations, uh, the, Canaan, the Canaanites they were supposed to kill, if there are Canaanites who did not live in Israel and they converted, yeah, meaning if you have a person that was a Canaani, but that was not living in Israel at the time, so let's say they moved to Syria, right? And they did tshuva, they would have been accepted. That's why the Pasuk says that, uh, you know, the purpose of the Torah is to make sure that you don't follow in the ways of the Goyim. The implication is that if the Goyim would repent, they would be accepted. Again, assuming they don't live in Israel at the time. Now, fine. Um, One more thing I just want to clarify. You, you do see from here, by the way, that, yeah, you see that Rav Shimon, there's actually a side machlech, because you know, Shimon or Yehuda, if you have a member of the seven nations of Canaan that there's a mitzvah to annihilate, if they lived outside of Israel at the time, is there a mitzvah to destroy them? Rav Shimon says no, and they could do tshuva, Rav Yehuda says yes. So that's a side machlechus. Okay. But the Iker machlechus is, was the Torah written on top of the plaster or on the pla- under the plaster? What's the reason for Shimon that the Torah was written on top of the plaster? The Pasuk says the nations will be burning of plaster, meaning, it says the, the downfall of the nations will be plaster, meaning, Aliski said, the downfall of the nations is that the fact that the Torah was written on plaster and they didn't study it. 
Rabbi Yehudu says that the Torah was written under the plaster. What does he mean? What does the Pasuk mean that their downfall is plaster? It means kisid. It doesn't mean their downfall is plaster. It means that the Goyim will be destroyed like plaster. Masid in Leitakana Elabisreifa, just like the Goyim, just like plaster. Um, you can't fix plaster. You have to just burn it. Meaning the only way to obtain plaster is by burning limestone to make plaster. So to review this says, the only way to do with the seven nations, even if they live outside of Israel, is you got to burn them, you got to kill them. Okay, now, so you said, I, I mentioned, and we'll end with this, aside Machlegs in Rabbi of Shimon, is whether um, the seven nations that live outside of Israel, if you have a Kanani that moved outside of Israel, can they, uh, do you have a mitzvah to annihilate them? So, Kiman Ozla Hazatanya, who is the author of the following Brice of Ishavisa Shivyoi, the Pasuk says you'll capture captives, Lorabos, Kenanim, Shebuchutzlaaretz, Shemchoz Mechuva, Mekablanosa. This Pasuk is saying that if you have a Kanani from Chutzlaaretz that does Chuva, they could survive, you could keep them. You're allowed to let them live. Kiman Kershim, and that follows Rishim, because according to Yehuda, you're not allowed to. All right, we'll stop here, and we will pick it up tomorrow, Bezashem. Recording stopped.